Hey everyone, we are back for a very special show this week. We are here to remember a legend of the band world who has recently passed away, Robert W. Smith. My senior project was to help brand Ilium Records, which was Robert's vision to have an in-house recording studio for anybody that wanted to come to Troy to learn how to be, you know, a recording artist and that sort of thing. He pioneered and really like changed the activity by being the first to write original music for the field, you know, in, in the world of drum corps. And this was profoundly important and significant in the history of DCI. So let's get out on the field and we will see you back on the sidelines for this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go, set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. This week is a very special episode of our podcast that pays homage to the legendary composer and music educator, Robert W. Smith. Robert W. Smith was a highly respected American composer, arranger, and music educator. Born on October 24, 1958 in Daleville, Alabama, Smith showed a passion for music from a very young age. He attended high school in Daleville and later enrolled at Troy State University, where he played lead trumpet in the Sound of the South marching band and studied composition under Paul Yoder. Throughout his career, Robert W. Smith made significant contributions to the music industry. His compositions and arrangements have received extensive airplay on major television and have been featured in multiple motion pictures. His music has been performed by professional ensembles such as the United States Navy Band, United States Air Force Band, Boston Pops, and the Atlanta Symphony, as well as school bands and orchestras worldwide. Smith's compositions are known for their ability to connect with audiences in any concert setting. He blended traditional and contemporary elements, creating a unique and captivating sound. His music is characterized by innovative concepts, emotive melodies, and rich harmonies. In addition to his work as a composer, Robert W. Smith was an accomplished music educator. He served as the president and CEO of RWS Music Company, which he exclusively distributed through C.L. Barnhouse. He also taught in the music industry program at Troy University in Troy, Alabama. His teaching responsibilities focused on music composition, production, publishing, and business. Throughout his career, Smith performed as a conductor, clinician, and keynote speaker, sharing his knowledge and passion for music in North America, Asia, South America, Europe, and Australia. He received numerous commissions from professional and school ensembles and released several compact disc recordings for his best-known works for concert band. Sadly, Robert W. Smith passed away on September 21, 2023, at the age of 64, due to complications following cardiac surgery. His contributions to the music industry, both as a composer and educator, have left a lasting impact on musicians and audiences around the world. Later on, we have an amazing interview with someone who was very close to Robert, Dr. Rick Good, the former band, the band director at Auburn University uh, and also the Macy's Great American Marching Band. We also have someone joining us who had the pleasure of being taught at Troy University by Robert Smith. 
Callie is stopping you. She has an amazing story to share, and we cannot wait to hear it. But first, let's see who is on the sidelines this week. Hey, Trish. Hi. I feel like I just saw you, <laughs> which never happens. I know. It's so weird, right? <laughs> I know. Hi, Tom. Happy to be back. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I am so glad you're here. And Cynthia. Hello. All the way from Canada. <laughs> and Nicole. Oh my gosh, I haven't talked to you in forever. I know. It's been a minute. Now, like I said earlier, we have a super special guest host with us this week. He has just launched a new series on his website, but we'll let him tell you about that in just a second. It's Tim Hinton. Hey guys, thanks for having me here tonight. Tim, I'm so excited that you are here to talk to us. Tell us a little bit about your most recent offerings over at Marching Arts Education. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm happy to talk about it. We're really excited about a brand new course we've just released this week called How to Start a Color Guard. And I mean, everybody probably thinks everybody knows, but actually it sort of dawned on me that probably a lot of people don't know. And I'll tell you how this came to be. I'll try to be quick about it. But I'm working with a band in Texas that does not have a color guard. It's actually been kind of fun to figure out how to write a show and be really creative and visual without them. But they don't have one. And I have to tell you, this is a really great band director with really, really good reasons for not having a color guard. But it got me thinking. And so um, I got together with Jessica Slaybaugh from American Fork, who's wonderful, and Jared Clark, who's been for many years at Jinx. And we created this course over the last couple of years. And it's in three sections. First is like, what's a color guard? It's basically like, here's what they do. This is the equipment they use. Really basic stuff. Then how to get started. So we think about like, how do you recruit? How do you get started? How much is it going to cost? What do you need to buy? You know, how much is a flagpole cost? All that kind of basic stuff. The third part is a part I think everybody can use, even if you know all about Color Guard. It's about being successful. It's like um, how to hire staff, how to train your staff. When do you decide when to start rifles and sabers? When do you start a winter guard? How about student leadership? How do you communicate with band directors? Like basic stuff. So even if you're listening to this and you think, I know all about Color Guard, I think you'll find some helpful stuff there. The course is free at Marching Arts Education. If you go to the website, anybody can sign up and watch. So we're really excited. I want to thank Jessica and Jared for spending so much time with me putting this together. We hope it's helpful. I am so excited. Actually, if you had asked me what was like one of the biggest things that people ask on the Spintronics website, that's what it is. They are like, they're like, how do cool. we get a color guard program going? How do we start it at our school? And, and it's just something that's like, well, it's a little bit more complicated than something I can just tell you in a comment on a YouTube video. So I am so excited for people to be able to have this resource because it is going to be so awesome. Get over to Marching Thank Arts you. Education. Make sure you sign up for that and check out that source, that that class. Thanks. Yeah, it's free for anybody. Hopefully it'll be very helpful. Well, we know also, Tim, that you have a great Robert W. Smith story. We are going to get to that in just a second. But before we get too much into this water break... Uh, I want to talk to our guest clinician. Please welcome Kelly F. Southview. I'm saying that right, right? <laughs> you are. Good job. <laughs> so we have this little tradition, if you've listened to our podcast before, called the 32 Count Life Story. So what we do is basically we have a metronome. 
Dr. Beat, if you will, who uh, goes and he'll give you eight clicks and then he's going to give you 32 counts altogether. And basically just tell us everything that has happened from like the moment of your birth until oh my goodness. today. Yeah. But you have to fit it into 32 counts, which is about 30 seconds. So that's a lot. Okay. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> Are you ready? I think so. Go for it. So I was born in Hazelhurst, Georgia. I went to school at Troy University in Troy, Alabama. I met my husband through the sound of the South Marching Band. He's a band director. He was a band director at Bay High School in Panama City. Hurricane Michael hit. We moved to Hazelhurst, Georgia. He is now the band director at my old high school in Hazelhurst, Georgia. I'm a worship leader, a singer-songwriter, um, very heavily in the Christian music industry. And I have two little kids and a dog. And how much more time I have left? <laughs> <laughs> We're not super, we're not super um, strict about that. 32 count <laughs> time limit. So you said you're in, uh, you're involved in worship? I am. I'm a worship leader at my home church, um, Hillcrest Baptist Church. I was in a Christian duo for 10 years and now I'm rebranding as a solo artist. That is excellent. Where can we uh, listen to your music if people want to find you? Well, I, this is all brand new as the solo artist thing, but my stage name is Kelly Elena. Um, I'm actually headed to Nashville next weekend to record probably my debut um, solo artist song, but all of our Corey and Kelly music is still out there. So you can stream that anywhere. That's C-O-R-I and K-E-L-L-Y. We have uh, several albums out. Now, did you do any, any marching activities like when you were in high school or anything? I did. Thank you for asking. I was a majorette and I played flute. Um, and then when I went to Troy, I was a majorette in the Sound of the South as well as a flute player. So, yeah. And I also, you see, um, I teach piano lessons. That's what I do as my main job, singer-songwriter. I'm a piano teacher. So, Kelly, we're, we're so happy to have you around, but there's kind of a sad reason why you're with us. You were a... Um, a student of Mr. Smith. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So um, it was my junior year at Troy and um, I had to pick a minor. And so the music industry program there had just started being developed. And um, so I started working with Robert there and my senior year, it transitioned into my senior year. Um, my, I was a design major. And so my senior project was to help brand Ilium Records, which was Robert's vision to have an in-house recording studio for anybody that wanted to come to Troy to learn how to be, you know, a recording artist and that sort of thing. Um, but also, I would like to say that he really is the reason why I'm such a good songwriter today, because he taught me the basics of it. I took his songwriter class. Um, he helped me learn how to really craft that skill and I, and I actually recently told him a few months ago, um, I, I just mm -hmm. got confirmation from a few in industry professionals on my songwriting gift. And I told him, you know, I, I just really thank you for the time that you spent helping me develop that. Um, I, you just really mean so much to me, you know. And But anyways, we developed Ilium Records. I created the logo, which they are still using today, almost 15 years later, which is pretty cool. Um, and as you can, as you probably know, the, the music industry department is thriving over there with Populous and just everything that they've got going on. I mean, several people come out of that program, 
ready to go to Nashville. They already have a portfolio. I saw recently they're asking, you know, for anybody who has songs that they would like to send in to have different artists record it. They have that going on. I mean, he's just done an amazing job with that whole industry. Um, And he was always a phone call away. As I was pursuing my own industry career, you know, if I had a question about a suspicious contract or um, just (laughs) guidance or direction in the music industry, because it's hard, as we all know. um, Yeah, he was just a phone call or a text away. He would look over anything for me or just be there to um, just work through some of that process. Wow. And did you feel that connection with him or that um, availability, my my words, availability (laughs) as soon as you met him or how was it? How was it he when you first got introduced to him as a teacher? Man, he just is one of those that would light up the room, like his smile and laughter. But he would command, you know, everybody's attention because he was so smart with everything that he knew, everything, all of his background in the music industry. Um, it, It was just amazing. He was just a fun person to be around. You know, we would have lunch to, to discuss the graphic manuals or whatever um, Alien Records needed to be branded with. But he was just such an all around great guy. And I mean, um, every year for Seuss, the Seuss Clinic, you know, my husband's a band director. So I would I would go with him and um, we would just talk with some of the other directors. And Robert was one of those. And I remember this past um the summer or the summer before he was talking about how they were bringing a whole business department and, and using that with the music industry. And he was super excited about that because those who wanted to pursue a music industry degree could also tag on a business kind of aspect to it. So mm-hmm. that was really cool. So Tim, how did you know, uh, Robert Smith? What, what was your connection there? Yeah, I was not close with, Robert W. Smith, but of course, everybody admired him, and he's a legend in the world of band and in the world of marching for his, um, you know, music compositions for concert band. And of course, he pioneered and really like changed the activity by being the first to write original music for the field, you know, and in the world of drum corps. And this was profoundly important and significant in the history of DCI. But I do want to say this: the thing that's so amazing about Robert W. Smith is you know how you hear about these famous celebrities that everybody looks up to, but then when you meet them, everybody, you're disappointed. Oh, they were rude to the waiter or whatever. Like the thing that's so great about Robert is like, he was like fantastic. Like every, he was like a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, as Kelly said, he lit up a room. He commanded so much presence. Um, he had so much respect, but everybody loved him. And that's like the nicest thing you can say about somebody, you know, in my opinion, is like not only was he incredibly talented and wildly successful and influential and did so much to help so many people, but, you know, just the nicest guy. Everybody, nope, nobody has ever has anything bad to say about Robert W. Smith, right? Um, do you want me to tell my story? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I did some podcasts and I would encourage everybody to go to the Marching Roundtable and there is, there are some podcasts with Robert W. Smith there. He talks about his career as a composer, how he got started. It's really interesting. Um, to me, as sort of a fitness guy, I love the fact that he was a bodybuilder, you know, early on in his life. And like he had this sort of presence of physicality about him that I really admired as well. So that's all really interesting. The story I have, though, is that a couple years ago, I've been, you know, trying to create all these crazy interviews and different scenarios for marching interview stuff, right? For marching interview stuff. So I had this idea, okay, let's find couples where one of them is a band director and the other one is like a marching arts designer. And let's put these couples all together and see like how they compare. So this was it. So I had, 
Robert and Susan Smith, and then I also had Kevin and Karen Wellborn, and then Evan and Melissa Hines. And this, you can find this on our YouTube channel. So if you go to the Marching Roundtable YouTube channel, you can find this uh, this YouTube, this whole interview, that's like 45 minutes long. And I asked him all these ridiculous questions. So my favorite one that Robert answered was, I thought, okay, this will be hilarious. I'm going to ask Robert W. Smith whether he or Susan has the best jazz run. And I thought, this will be hilarious, because who wants to think about Robert W. Smith flying across the field? So I say, okay, so I asked the question. You can hear this, this on the interview. Anyway, I asked him this question. Okay, Robert, I'm, you know, I'm going couple to couple. Okay, Robert, how about you guys? Which of you has the best jazz run? He goes, well, you know, I was a trumpet player in a jazz combo for many years, and I could play runs. And Susan's like, no, 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 no. I think he means visually. I just thought this was so hilarious. And so... There's a huge laugh about it, and he laughs at himself, and like you can just see their relationship and how much fun he was. And anyway, I would encourage everybody to listen to the podcast, find that video of those couples. It's actually a really hilarious sort of setup that we talked to them about, but um, it shows what a wonderful, kind, big-hearted, and talented man he was. And gosh, it's just his impact on the world of music and band, and particularly marching music, can't be overstated. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't, you know, I never got to meet Robert, but, you know, he, he did something for me that, you know, uh, I first heard about him in 1996 uh, it, with the magic of Orlando uh, um, and, and their show. And that made me go and as a young musician, start looking up other things about Robert and uh, opened up this whole uh, other world. Uh, and, you know, yeah, man, that his original stuff and uh, just so such amazing uh, composer and arranger. Yeah, it was like, you know, uh, kids that watch Looney Tunes don't know that they're being opened up to classical music. Um, and that was kind of like my moment there with, with magic in 1996 and Robert. So, uh, you know, for sure going to be missed. Absolutely. So, um, as we're sharing these stories about Robert, I just want to, um, just take this time that actually the time that I met him and I met his wife at the same time, Susan, um, was when I was doing uh, movement for the Colts in 2019. Um, and he came in and he was arranging for us the whole entire time. And like Kelly said, he has such a, a commanding presence, but it's not overbearing. Like it's very much like, come and talk to me because I'm one of the cool kids because he really was. And <laughs> like, um, and I met Susan at the same time and she was just like, they were just, they, I don't know, they just complimented each other so well. And she was just such a great ball of energy and so nice. Um, and when he found out, I remember, you know, meeting him, shaking his hand and he was asking me, so what do you do for the Colts? And I said, oh, I do the movement. And he's like, that's very important. And he was generally or genuinely like uh, invested in knowing what was happening and what was going on and, you know, what the music, what this music meant at this time and everything like that. And honestly, it was very helpful to me. Um, I just remember him being very much like any time that he was talking to me or and, and any time he was talking to anyone, um, you really did feel like you were uh, the 
you know what I mean? The pinnacle of that conversation. Like you were yeah. the most important. You were person. seen. Yeah. So seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do I do remember that. And then every time he would just come and visit um during the summer, um, it was it was just a good time. And he had so much um obviously creativity, but just such good words to give and like just make you like, oh, I can take over the world now, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. I want to say real quick, um, one of another story that I thought of um, in college, one of our final projects with the songwriting side of things is we had to write a final song and I was getting married uh, pretty soon, shortly after. So I said, you know what, I'll write a wedding song for my husband. And but one of the things was we had to go seek somebody else out to sing it. So we had to write it. We had to use the hired band, you know, which was a lot of the Sound of the South people um, to, to score it and to play it. And then we had to find somebody else to sing it. Well, I was a singer and I said, this is my song. I want to sing it. <laughs> so I remember having an argument with him because I said, this is a song for my husband. I don't want to have anybody else to sing it. You know, he was really adamant. Well, this is what you need to do. Um, because you need to learn that whole process. And so finally I said, okay. So I found somebody to sing it for me. It was very last minute. I did a disservice for her because I was like, here, learn this song so you could sing this and we can record it and I can get this project over with. Um, it was really funny, but she ended up doing a good job and he ended up, you know, later saying, all right, I'll let you go in and you can record your final version of it so you can use it. And I actually used it to play it at our wedding. But I'm so thankful that he had me go through that process because young and naive then I didn't realize just how important that would be later on in the music industry to know all of the steps that goes through having that sort of thing. You know, what's interesting is that I, from all the way from Canada, not a marching band person. I don't really know who Robert W. Smith is, except that he influenced so many people. Because if you're in the marching arts, you saw and you still see how many people are grieving and are sad of what's happening. And I think at some sort of point as an artist and as a leader, you kind of question yourself or the the impact you're having or what type of person you want to be. And there's an artist um, who's actually a designer for... Macchino, Macchino, it's good. <laughs> fashion brand that says, yes, my art is going to, is going to be remembered, but I want to be remembered as a kind person. And as a leader and as an artist, sometimes we are hard. We're hard on people. We're teachers. We need to teach. We need to show, we need to correct. But, and I hope I'm going to be always trying to figure out because I've not always been kind, but if I can be remembered as kind and then everything I was brought as what I can hear from Robert, I think you, you lived a fulfilled life when you, you end up like that in people's mouth. Yeah. So. I think that the consistency of the stories and the consistency of character that we're seeing from all of the memories that everyone's sharing really, really is such a great Testament to the genuine personality that just came through with uh with robert smith um we're going to go ahead and get back on the field here just for a couple of reps but uh after that let's go talk to dr hey this is christine ream and chris green Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. 
When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Hey, Trevor! Trevor, come on over here to the sideline. Hey, Jackie, I'm coming and I'll bring the amazing Dr. Good with me. We'll be there in a second. Dr. Rick Good, how are you? I'm doing very well. Well, welcome to our water break. Uh, we have a little tradition that we like to do whenever someone is a first timer on our show, and that is to tell your life story in 32 counts. Do you think you're up for it? <laughs> I don't think I'm, uh, I'll probably fail miserably, but I'll try to be as brief as possible. <laughs> hey, I, we've never punished anyone for going over. I'll just say that. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. All right, you get eight on the Met. Here we go. All right, I think my biggest thing is that I was um, born in Allentown, Pennsylvania, raised in Allentown, Pennsylvania, home of DCI East and D uh, DCI Senior uh, DCAs. And that's what really got the got me going, and it's affectionately known as Band City USA. So to me, that's my whole life story. I got I got that as an education, and that's where I'm in. How far did I go over? You can keep going. Where and where are you oh, at now? Yeah. And what are you up to? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm at Auburn University now. After I left downtown, went to a Mansfield music ed degree, Boston University mm -hmm. performance for one year. Then taught in Virginia Beach for seven years, three years junior high, three years high school. Went to LSU for a conducting degree. Went to Arizona State for my doctorate in euphony performance. Then got the Auburn job. Was marching band director, low brass professor, promoted director of bands. And then I just relinquished department chair uh, as another job as director of bands. And now I'm giving that up and just going to be director of bands when I get to go back next year. So that's it. And I <laughs> have to say, I met stuff. you as the director uh, of the Macy's Great American Marching Band. So <laughs> you have yeah, got a lot of hats, sir. Yeah, there's some other stuff in there, but, I, you know, just the, the big synopsis. <laughs> but, yeah, I was fortunate to get a call about the Macy's. Back then, a uh, great colleague and friend, Dr. John Woods at Ohio State, and mm -hmm. I were the co-directors when it originally started. I think it would be about 17 mm -hmm. years ago. Oh and then, gosh. unfortunately, John has passed away since, but um, but um, still going here and with Macy's, and and so also be fortunate to be National Band Association president, and recently elected, well, recently eight years in American Bandmasters Association. So, so it's been a lot, and, and I'm I'm so, only 38, so it's amazing. So. <laughs> you look it! Oh my gosh! I don't know. About I was going to say, what is your skincare routine? Because uh, our listeners are going to want to uh, know that whenever our uh, pictures from from the episode come out. <laughs> so uh, Trevor and I are here to talk today. We're we're doing this sort of celebration of life of Robert W. Smith, 
And I know that you made such a heartwarming post about him whenever, whenever he passed, whenever we heard the this terrible news. Um, what are some of your memories of him and his impact on the marching arts? You know, the, uh, uh, the first one was, I think the first one is when I really got to know him, always knew about him, but got to know him when I said I was teaching in Virginia beach. I don't know if I can quiet that down. Uh, putting him, uh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. You can still hear me? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're good. So, um, in Virginia Beach, when I went up from junior high to high school, I got Kimsville High School in Virginia Beach, and it was a pretty competitive marching band program. And I got the keys to, uh, like the day day before band camp to the office. So they really hired late. And then I had one day to prepare for band camp. And the person before me had a whole show planned, but it was really, really tough. It was a William Tell overture that James Madison had done. And I mean, I didn't think, I didn't think I had the horses to do it. It was a small program. And I called Pat Rooney. Pat Rooney said, you know, I started listening to some stuff. He said, no, that was the toughest one. That One of the toughest ones JMU and the Royal Dukes played. So he said, I don't, I wouldn't recommend it, Rick. I'm like, okay. So I had a quick, uh, come up with a new show and get a show idea really quick. And I'll never forget I listened to Taboo, and that was a Robert W. Smith tune that was just amazing. And I called him up. He said, oh, Rick, I'm so sorry to hear that, you know, you got the keys, you know, like 24 hours for a band camp. I'm going to rush it down to you. Anything you need, you just call me. I'm going to I'm gonna be there for you. And uh, that was, you know, what I remember being a pretty young band director and the first time at the high school and picking that, that opener by him. And he would call and check up. Uh, on me and then I'm just going to time warp a couple years later a few years later I left you know and then went for my master's went for my doctorate and uh, I was fortunate to get about four or five college interviews for a college job and James Madison was one of them and when I went to James Madison it was great because they said uh, you know I got to meet uh, Robert W. Smith and Susan had me over their house we had a nice dinner apple pie and ice cream and and it was just like, you know, it was, it was, they've always made you feel at home. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I wasn't the, their candidate for that, that job. And all worked out. I got Auburn. But ever since we kept in touch and then just about, he was just at that time was mainly composing at JMU and not doing in the band world as much. And then during that time, he started transitioning into the band world at James James Madison. And when I was here at Auburn, I think it was the next third, three or four years or about five years into it, all of a sudden the Troy University job came open. And that's when they really made a strong move and they brought took Robert from James Madison in Harrisburg, Virginia, and he moved down to Troy, his alma mater, to do the director of bands. And then, so it was kind of ironic and like knew me. So we, 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 we always had a connection and then that connection has always been, um, you know, he's, he's just, uh, just so kind. He would give you the shirt off his back. He would do anything Mm -hmm. for music education, especially instrumental music education. But he, he, he's one of the few of us that can play very well in the sandbox or he could play very well in the sandbox is what I, I call it. 
kind and sharing what that means share information share some uh share even personnel that came what came up uh, more recently we started when i was department chair here and director bands we started looking at how we could grow and you know kind of get out of that 50s 60s type of music school or department we're just a department here at auburn and part of that was building a recording studio and then I think oh. Robert was feeling a little threatened. I don't know why he would be threatened. I think he was threatened about the facility, but not the program, because <laughs> Troy has a much better program in music industry and that sort of thing that he put his mark on and it just has grown since he's been here. I've just seen the incredible strength of that program and grow and their their graduates. But what we needed was uh we and I also started doing commercial music. So I asked him if he knew anybody in the commercial music vocal area and like I said, he would give you the shirt off his back. I couldn't believe it. he said, you know, Rick, I've got a perfect person for you. And I said, where she lives? She said, Montgomery. I said, what's she doing now? She said, she's teaching part-time here at Troy. I'm like, she is? She said, yeah. I said, but she needs a full-time gig. I would hate to lose her, but I would, I would, I would lose her to you. And, she, and I said, are you serious? And she said, yeah. So we went through a process, a hiring process, and her uh, name is Jill Roberts, and Sure enough, that's who we hired. And he was fine with it. And he said, hey, Rick, he called me up. He said, I've got a problem. We haven't been able to find a replacement. Would you happen to share her for a semester? I'm like, <laughs> Robert, yes. You know, you know, I can't do it long term, but because you did this for us, let's, you know, let's do that. So we actually shared her actually two semesters because here you have a policy once you get the She's a professor of practice at our vocal commercial music, and she, she helped the, their uh, – uh, uh, I'm forgetting the name of their ensemble. Maybe Trevor knows it down there. It's, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue here. But they have an uh, incredible – do you know that, Trevor? I don't know, I don't know the name of, of the uh, of, of the program off the top of my head, uh, Rick. Uh, it's it, – It'll come to me, but it, it's a, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a pop music ensemble. That's what I'll call it. Pop rock music ensemble, which is going into school. So it has the band, it has a horn section. It's got a full rhythm section, has a horn section. It's got the vocalist and they're just making a, a really big mark on all the schools and touring that into the public schools. And students are seeing that and just getting ignited because a lot of them are playing in bands or want to play in a band or, Rock band, top forty, cover band, what, whatever you, whatever you have, and so anyway, we started that here. But uh, what I couldn't believe is Robert being that nice, and then we've done a couple things with our honor bands and having them come over. And if there's any type of issue, or we'll talk about people, he helped me out. You said about the Macy's, he helped us out with an opener one year. Hey, I'd love to write for that. You know, what, what would it take? Nothing. You know, you, you know, I'm going to do this free of charge, you know, so he was, he was never, you know, he was a very smart businessman, obviously, but I, you know what I mean? He did very well in the, in the business world too, and, and starting his own music company and that sort of thing. But he, it wouldn't be, he gave back, he gave back tremendously. And it wasn't like, uh, okay, for that, I'm going to have to charge you a thousand dollars. Like, no, you just, you just, this is great. I'm going to try to fly up there. If you think you can get tickets, I'll get you tickets. And he called and said, Hey, I got a friend and another person. Can you get them? I'm like, yep. and get that for you, Robert. So, and he came to even conduct our honor band a couple times here. And, you know, and he's, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a competitor, but Troy is a, you know, is a university we, we compete with through the recruiting, but it was something that we, 
you know, I didn't bat an eye at all to have him and his wife come in and do our guest honor band because, you know, music's more than that. It's, you got to expose these uh, students and the high school students and even our college students to great music written by great composers. And, you know, that's, that's what he was. And he was also a band guy too, first and foremost, but you know, yeah, yeah, Rick. Uh, the name, the name of the group, uh, Populous. Populous. I was thinking Opus, but it wasn't that exactly. Populous is the right. Yeah, so, yeah it's a right. it's a popular music ensemble comprised of music students in the music industry program narratory. Artists of diverse and eclectic styles blend together with a concert production team in a unique musical environment, honoring all genres of popular music. It so, sounds like uh, uh, sounds just like Robert. I mean, he just. He just, yeah. he respected all kind of genres. He was able to kind of walk in many different paths and kind of take people along different journeys to perform and learn and to teach all styles of music. So it's not surprising that that is the description of that ensemble. So, yeah, it's, you know, he was a, a, a very progressive thinker where the whole concept there was, it's not just the music, it's the whole production. We're going to have to put, how are we going to get the equipment there? What about the marketing? Let's get a t-shirts. You know, what about the lighting and stage crew? You know, it was everything about the business side of running or being in a band or running a concert and thinking about all that and putting the students in the driver's seat. And then that was, that's what they do. And that concept, we, 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 you know, we pretty much ripped that off or stole that over for our, our place. You know, the same thing with Jilla doing it here. But because I think, like he said, there's obviously there's more room to that. And he knew that was also, a huge avenue in the music industry world, you know, love the marching man, you know, he has the DCI Suncoast sound way back when and knew of him, you know, but he, he could, you know, he's a, you know, it's just a, it's just heartbreaking to think that. Uh, and I think that's what you see now out, outpouring of posts on Facebook uh, about what he was and what a giant he was in our, in our business. And like I said, like somebody said, as, you know, it's a shame to lose him this soon, but just think about all the great music and he's still going to be around through his music. And I feel for Susan and his, and his family and the whole Troy uh, band family, they're so tight, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a quite a, it's quite a loss, but you know, but it's, you know, he was a, a, a gentle giant. Yeah. He, he, he was a great uh, man, Rick. And, and I just wanted to talk briefly about, um, you brought up the point that, you know, uh, Robert always had your back, whether you're a young teacher, a colleague, um, even a quote unquote competitor in the in the composition field. It, he was always so welcoming and generous to people, like you said, give the shirt off the back. But I think, you know, if you want if you would like to speak about it, um, I mean, he was he was even a bigger giant and was always there for like his family. And oh, the, the importance, the, the love and the, the warmth, he always spoke of them. Um, it's something that I'll, I'll always kind of carry with me. Obviously, you know, Susan and and, and Madison and Savannah, you know, I had the I had the pleasure when I was a, um, uh, a DMA student in Alabama uh, several years ago. Um, his daughter, Savannah, was a drum major uh, wh while I was right. there. Uh, you know, when I did some consultation with the Troopers brass staff back in the day when Robert was with the Troopers, like helping that team in DCI uh, move along, his daughter, Madison, was a lead singer, like in that group and really kind of brought, 
you know, uh, the singing and drum corps and marching band to like another level with that performance of that, with that Troopers production. And, I, you know, him and Susan were just like, you know, two peas in the pods. You know, when you saw one, you saw the other, always supporting Absolutely. each other. Yeah. Um, can, you, can you speak to like the relationship you saw with like their family members and how and how closely he he cherished that and how they cherished him like as, as a man, oh, as, a, as, as a father? He, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's the thing that he he bur- he he burned the candles at both ends to me. Like, I don't know how much, you know, uh, meaning in in his professional life. And and it was just not one thing in his professional life. He was not just a professor at Troy University. You know, we all know him first and foremost as a composer. But then you think he's a professor. He's composing music. He's running a business, getting other young composers or other composers in with his business. And I, I, I call him on honor bands and just say, hey, we, we do composers in our honor band. And he always, you know, that, that, I can't take credit. Johnny Vincent, the director of Bands Emeritus here, started that. So our honor band would always have a composer only, uh, along with guest conductors because he felt that they wanted it, the students to, to play a piece of music that the person was standing right in front of them and they could speak to that music. And that's such an education. And then Robert loved that. I kept that tradition when Dr. Vincent retired. I moved it also to a middle school honor band for a few years. He loved that. And obviously, I would go to him a lot saying, okay, what are, what are some good middle school and composers? Because some don't really like to get in front of a group and conduct. And But he knew them. He would always say, okay, you need I know I got the exact person for you. And if that person can't do it, this person can do it. And he would open my eyes to these other composers, great young composers that are out there, and diverse composers that we would help to try to bring into the campus. As far as family, you're, you're right, Trevor. Susan and him were two peas in a pod. You always saw them usually together. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be in, like I said, an American Bandmaster Association for the last seven or eight years. And he was, the year I, I was inducted, my first convention was in Montgomery, and Troy was the sponsor. And and and, I, and obviously, Trevor, I got to conduct uh, my one piece was with the Alabama Wind Symphony. So that was really ironic, too. And it was a great thing. But it was uh, getting to conduct the University of Alabama top group with uh, Troy hosting it with Johnny and Robert there and Susan. And uh, uh, Robert Smith was very well respected in ABA and he would be the sergeant at arms. And he had the very tough task of when we would go on our you know, this is on a water break, but when we'd have our coffee breaks for ABA, there's a lot of people talking and it was hard to round them back out or round them up and get them back into the meeting room. And Robert all, all of a sudden would have some type of percussionist, uh, you know, and if it was claves or if it was, you know, bells, he would be making jingles and they would just keep getting louder and louder and he'd walk around closer to the people who were talking and it was very nice with a smile like, okay. It's time to end your conversation and move in. And it was like, okay, here goes Robert. So everybody knew Robert, and he he just got elected onto the board, too. He was a vice president, and he was going to be the president, heir, heir to be the throne of presidency of the American Bandmaster Association. And I even talked to him this past year. Once he got that, I said, hey, Robert, you know, our convention is going to be in Washington, D.C. this year. Next year it's going to be in Chattanooga. And I said, Robert, since you're the president, I'm I would think about hosting it here at Auburn because we have a great $77 million performance facility. And he said, man, that would be great. Let's, let's start working on a plan like that. I said, since you're there, it'd be everything. And 
and it wouldn't be like that with every colleague, you know what I mean? I think, but, but like the family, he has two daughters. I had two daughters. We talked about the, the pros and cons of that and, you know, how we're outnumbered, but wouldn't give it for anything in the world, you know, and luckily he said, man, you know, can't wait for grandchildren and everything of that. But what a family man, like I said, from, from, you know, from everything he was. And even, even this summer, like driving the uh, motorhome, I think Susan was on the Cavalier staff, right? I think Mad- it was, Madison. Oh, Madison, the scouts. And he'd said, well, I'm going to drive the motorhome up there and hang out right while she's teaching and I'll just wait for her. And, you know, he's, he was kind of, he wasn't going to stay home, but you know what I mean? And, and was, so he was always there and big Alabama fan for football, you know, oh, because oh, of yeah. daughters and absolutely. You would you would stroll up and like for us like in the you know like band kids you know like you know I'm not I'm not even forty years old yet so like I grew up like playing like Robert stuff and like middle school band <laughs> high school band honor bands just deeply impacted by his music you know and it was gr- great writer of like, educational music I think one one of the best to ever do it and um, yeah, he would just walk up. We would have like a 11, 11 a.m. kickoff, which means like we're outside with the million dollar band at like 6 a.m., you know, rehearsing. And Rob would just, you know, Savannah would be on the podium. Rob would just walk up and just kind of just stand there like a normal dad. You know, like now everyone just stops and like all the music folks and majors and band students like, wait a minute, that's Robert W. Smith. We we know that Savannah's there, but he was there like very often, like almost every game that she was, you know, conducting and same with Susan. And that the drum corps show that, that the drum corps shows that Madison performed that. And um, yeah, it, it was he was just always around just a supportive um, husband and, and father. Um and I know um, there's there's no there's no there's no nothing that you know we can say that kind of mm-hmm. feel that to feel that empty space that they have right now. But uh, what we can do, I think, as um, you know, fans, as friends, as as people who loved him and respected him, just talk about him. You know, talk about his legacy and the impact that he had on on our lives, and what and whether it's a big way or or if it was a small way. I think that's the best way to honor him, and the best way to you know show love and support to him and, and that wonderful family. So, it's almost like with the Alabama Wind Symphony, like, and he wrote the opener for the Alabama. I'm sorry, the Alabama. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the Winds, but Randall Coleman, the professional Randall group. Coleman. Yes, yes, right. And then, and then Susan got, uh, but before Susan is, she's the assistant conductor now. But before that, he, you saw him right there and be at the concert at Midwest. You know, he wrote the opener, but then all of a sudden they had a trumpet opening and he was playing third hey. trumpet. He was, he was last chair trumpet. Yeah. So, you know, how many people are going to play like that? He goes, my wife's going to be here. I got trumpet up. And he was very happy. He would take pictures and selfies like, Hey, I'm last chair, third trumpet. I love this. But, you know, again, he, he, he just, you know, he didn't, he just, he just didn't talk to talk. He walked in too, you know, he, he walked and he talked it. And, and it, like the other thing, when he would, when he would speak, he was so passionate about family and the business and, and, and music education and what it meant. And I think that's one of the biggest things that everybody said, you know, he was going around to state conventions. He also helped another, he helped, he, he got another colleague for me, a part-time uh, colleague, Barry Morgan. Out of Cobb yeah. County, so Barry Morgan and and uh, we were we were trying to get commercial music, and I said, "Hey, I'm looking for somebody." And he said, "You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you. Do you know Barry Morgan?" I said, "Yeah, I know of him. I didn't. I don't think I ever met him." 
He said, I'm going to have Barry call you, and here's his number. But he'd come over. He, he teaches part-time here at Troy. He drives down two days a week. Maybe he can stop on the night or do something for Auburn. And here you have a guy who, like you said, is a, a big Alabama fan, supported, you know, that big Troy fan and Auburn. But, you know, he, he would help and call Barry. And sure enough, Barry's teaching our, uh, law, our, our uh, law and publishing and copyright class for our graduates and our undergrads. But again, it, and some people just were like, no, I'm not going to share that person. I know this person, but I'm not going to give it his information. You know what I mean? Yeah. That didn't happen. So I think like you said, Trevor, we, we have to keep, we need to talk about him, but it's almost like try, he, he was a real, he set examples that that's in his life that all of us should be doing. Uh, you know, uh, you know, so I think that's, that, that's, that's the legacy of Robert W. Smith that's that will be missed as well. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Rick. It sounds like he was somebody who really like put music education before himself in so many different scenarios. You know, he put his family before himself, he put music education before himself, and it wasn't about just building his own self or his own career, but it was about building the entire community of music educators and uh, bands and like it sounds like even from his productions you know I, i've i personally did not know him but i've heard so many stories of him now um that his music is playable at so many levels and it's playable you know you can transfer it from the concert band side to the marching field side and and i feel like you know him not trying to just focus in on one thing and hone one genre if you will that he really expanded out and tried to improve all of music education and continue to grow it. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, there, I don't think there was a time I ever not talked to him that I did not learn something. And and I'm not just saying that. I mean, there was always something. And he was like a historian of a, a lot of different facts. Like Rick, I'll have, you know, you know, this and this, he would put it, <laughs> he would put a connection to it, you know, like six degrees of separation and not knowing that I did not know that. Yep. True story. I mean, he would give you, they weren't stories. They were really cool facts and something you, 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 you didn't know or didn't realize. And I told him one time, and I'll, 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 I, sh- well, I think I've already said the name. I'm, <laughs> I was under the impression that I told you my boss, Dr. Vincent, said, hey, Rick, this is a public library here. If anybody wants to borrow our music, we're going to let them because we're a public institution. <laughs> and I told Robert that when he goes, well, Rick, you know, but he'd be very positive. He goes, well, I, I could see that would come out of Dr. Vincent's mouth. That's a type of type of a giving kind man he is. But actually, Rick, that's not what you should be doing, you know? And then he would put the thing, goes, that's really false. And he said, you know, this is, think about it, that these directors, you're taking money out of these composers or not me now, but these young composers, but how he would, how he would, uh, say it. It wasn't. It wasn't demeaning. It would always put a great spin on it, and then say, "Well, this is really." And and that's why that's why I told him. I said, "Man, these in music ed curriculum, we should have those classes. We should have those classes." And unfortunately, it's not. That's why I said we got to get Barry Morgan in here because he hears so much stuff. You know, one time a director of bands, I'll, I'll remain nameless. You know, uh, many years ago, said he was just t- throwing all the music away, just keeping one copy and digitizing it. And that's how we would pass out the music. The kids could go and download that music. So we had a conversation about that, you know, and I, I would go to Robert W. You know what I mean? I'd say, okay, are we, are we going to do this? He goes, you know, no, Rick, you know, <laughs> like he said, that's what I'm telling you. There's so many 
misconceptions out there. That's why, and he was a big advocate, and that's where him and Barry Morgan, I can't remember the third person, were going around to state conventions and giving the talk and conferences about about those laws and what we need to be doing. And I think that's something that will be, hopefully that will be keep getting addressed because I know there was, there was a quite a fight that he put with Tresona, the Tresona music company. And I think he, oh, yeah. he was going to bat for us and say, no, that's wrong. They can't do that. And when I talked to him, like, really? And he said, no. So I meant there are things that, you know, uh, you know, that's not our area, but you know, Robert knew that area. You know what I mean? And, and trying to get that out to saying what we can and can't do. And none of us want to break the law. You know what I mean? I mean, right. that way and trying to teach that to the students and our, and our, and especially colleges, we need to be teaching that to the, to the, the students who are going to be in music education. You, you're absolutely right. And it, it just goes to uh, uh, show you it's another point that, like you said, he did in a very kind, professional manner, like always with a smile on his right. face. Or arm mm-hmm. around your shoulder, like, hey, listen up, like, let me, let me, let me make you hip to the game, basically. Right. And yeah. and it was it was very kind, it was very gentle, it wasn't like stern. He he won, and he did it to protect people, and to, not to protect the people in the profession, and and generally just to protect the profession, you know, overall. And both of those things are great things, you know. I'm I'm I've <laughs> I've heard about these band my, some of my band friends who love Robert W Smith's music like like a lot of us do, and you know they would go to like the TMEAs or like the Midwest to like where Robert can you know usually have like a booth you know you know selling his music you know, but he never felt like he was selling you his music, you know that he would have <laughs> he would have, he would have conversations with people like hey I have yeah. this this seventh grade band and these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses and. Like, I don't know what to do. I can't really find anything. I, and I've heard some of my friends, like, he took me, like, you know, took me by the hand or, like, pulled my arm over. It's like, and, like, let's look at these pieces. Listen to this recording. Does this serve your needs? Oh, it doesn't? Like, maybe you should go to this composer and check out this particular piece then. Like, Absolutely. he would direct you. The, if he couldn't find something that fit for you, he pointed you in the right direction because he cared about you as a music educator, not about selling, the, you know, his one of, one of his, you know, pieces. I mean, he composed, what, what was it? Uh, 600 works. 600 oh works, and that, includes, and that includes three uh, full-length symphonies. That's a lot of that's a lot of things to have published. Um, so his 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 words were out there and they were being performed, you know, for the last several decades. And man, it's just it, it's it's sad to think about. We won't have you know a, a new work like out there by Robert again. But like like you said, um, hopefully uh, we you know we encourage people to keep performing his words, you know, paying tribute to him and and, and his legacy because. He cared about the music edu- educator, you know, first and foremost. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you I'll tell you a funny story if you want to hear this. I got a phone call a couple of years back, and Jack, I don't know if you remember this. We, uh, we had to record, the Macy's band had to record a piece of music for uh, a, a, a movie that was being produced, right? I remember, remember this Jackie? so well. I have this, and, I actually have this movie on DVD <laughs> on my shelf, and I don't own many movies, so. <laughs> So I, I don't know if we should name the movie on this story, but what happened is that they were going to use the uniform. So they asked us while we were practicing the Macy's if we could come up with a tune that we they could re- we would record and the company would get it. 
So they brought these sound guys out and we had to go outside and, in, 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 you know, in Teaneck, New Jersey, right before a couple days before Thanksgiving. And like, I, I was not a happy camper because this was, you know, this is not going to be on Macy's. We got to worry about the Macy's and the 50 or 55 million right. people going to see this band. So it was interfering with my time. So we play this piece. I found a march that's in public domain. I had the clicker in my ear. We get the march. They finally got a good recording. They say, okay, we're done. All of a sudden, the movie comes out, and then all of a sudden, uh, I don't, I don't, I haven't even seen it yet. I get a call from Robert W. He's like, "Rick, how's it going?" I'm like, "Man," he goes, "How are you doing today?" It's like, "You have a good day," you know, all positive. And he goes, "Hey, I got a question for you." He said, uh, "That that piece you recorded for Macy's, did you record my piece?" Blah 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 blah. I'm like, "No." So what are you talking about? He said, are you, I didn't think you would. He goes, like, what? He said, I recorded, you know, a march was in the public domain. Right, right. He goes, that's what I thought. Well, thank you so much because now I'm oh. going to go to war. I'm going to get on war path. He said, one of my buddies in Texas, a high school band director, just went to the premiere of that movie and called me and said, wow, I can't believe your, your piece is in there. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, the Macy's band is in there. Well, it, it's our uniforms. It wasn't a band. It's the uniforms. Right, like right. the Macy's band is in there, and they're playing your piece. Really? <laughs> so yeah. so I, we had a good laugh at that. Then finally I, I saw him later. So he goes, well, I, yes, I did get some money out of that. So, <laughs> so good. I guess good. He, he got his it. piece. <laughs> yeah, he went after him. He went after him. And I thought, wow, I didn't even know that would be happening. But, you know, you don't mess with Robert W. Smith on that side. But I'm like, Robert, do you think I would do that? He goes, I didn't think you would. <laughs> you know. Oh, my gosh. Was, yeah, it's a crazy story, huh? Yeah, so that's, a, that's wow. true. And then, that's amazing. I'm going to have to go so back what, and watch what, my DVD now and, and see if we swap it out. <laughs> yeah, I forget what piece it is when the band is out there or something before, but uh, they they dubbed this piece over. So ours, which I got mad about because all that time I had to spend on this Right. freaking time and having a, a recording crew that they sent out to record it like so but then i felt really bad for him but i felt then really good for him because i think <laughs> i think financially he, he saying, finally he made out but there was no credits i'm sure he did there was no credits there wasn't anything like that or he didn't do that so which i i was really shocked about but and the the only other one well there's a lot but the one other one that i thought <laughs> were i it really changed my impression was i told him I went to the uh, flying up to Midwest. I go to Atlanta, waiting to get on a flight. And I look, and there's Robert W. So you always see people from this area flying up on the same flight to Chicago. So we had time to talk. And I said, hey, this is earlier in the careers. I said, hey, I was just wondering. I said, why does Alabama have all these big all-state bands? Like we have four high school all-state bands. And oh, I'm sorry, three high school bands and one junior high. And they're all the same size, about 150 to 160. And a lot of the conduct guest conductors come in and they're a little frustrated. And it's not, it's a quota system here in Alabama too. And that sort of thing. So it's, 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 it's not going to go down the right road or wrong road, whatever. But I just said to him, I said, I just surprised. It's like that. He said, well, Rick, look at all the opportunities we're giving these students. He said, to make high school band. And I said, you know, and then the big thing was, and then I said, but here's the other thing, Robert. I said, I I think you're hard-pressed. The other great part about the state of Alabama, I think you're hard-pressed to find another state 
that has this big of marching band personnel in it in the state. Troy, University of North Alabama, Jack State, mm-hmm. uh, Alabama A&M, Alabama State, Auburn, Alabama. You keep going South Alabama. You keep going, and these band programs are huge. And there's not a major city. Georgia, you can't you can't come up with that type of thing. And I don't – and when I look at Georgia, and they got a metro Atlanta area, you know, that's 3 million or whatever it is, and we don't have that. But he said, Rick, I attribute to it back to Allstate. That we also are giving these students that you are that good, continue it in your college career. So although we would cut a lot of those out, and if we cut that out, they might just drop, quit playing the horns. And that totally changed my thinking. You know what I mean? I was like, I never thought of it, but that's probably a huge, a huge component of let them going and being in all state and not going to say inflating the numbers, but at least it keeps them going and wants to play. And I thought, wow, but there's again, Robert W. Take a concept, look at it a different way. And like, and like you said, very, very intelligent man as well, you know, but uh, could open your eyes up even, you know, to an old dog like me. You know what I mean? Imagine, <laughs> imagine how many students that inspired, like you just said, to stick with it oh, yeah. and even possibly go on into you know, get involved in uh, in the profession as a writer, as a, Absolutely. as a composer, as a band director, as a as a performer. Like that's that's pretty impactful stuff. And you you're right about the state of Alabama and how they love their bands. You know, they love their yeah. bands. They love their football. You know, so yeah. oh, right. <laughs> so it's 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 a really it's a really great system, uh, Rick. I I absolutely agree with you on that. Dr. Good, thank you so much for coming out and remembering no Robert Smith with us today. This has been fantastic. I have loved hearing all of your stories. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this, Jack, and you too, Trevor. Thank you. Hey, can I ask you one more thing, Dr. Good? Sure. If you could, if I know it may be kind of emotional, but if if you could, if you could say maybe one more thing to Robert, what would it be? Wow, I've been thinking about that ever since I heard it. Um, Thank you. Mm. Thank you. That's perfect. Absolutely. That's perfect. Thank you, Rick. All right, guys. Go arc it up. We're going to take it from the reprise of Furioso to finish out our rehearsal today. So we'll see you back out on the field. That was such a good talk with Dr. Good. Guys, Welcome back to the sideline uh, for our final section of our water break today. I, Dr. Good had so many good stories and so much. I literally probably could have talked to him about Robert W. Smith all night, but we have some other, uh, some other things we need to discuss today, uh, including something we actually started with Dr. Good uh, and I want to keep it going with our other guest hosts here. So, Kelly, since this is your first time, I'm going to throw it at you <laughs> first. Um, what part of the marching band show are you? Well, um, so does that mean like unit? Because technically, I guess that would be a majorette because it's, I like being well, up front. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it can be anything some people like say they different section or a specific person that they would be or if they're like 
a part of the music or a part of the visual? It's a very, very open-ended question. So it's whatever you feel like you can create in your mind. <laughs> well, I just love auxiliaries. You know, I've always, um, I've either been a majorette or color guard. I've coached color guard. I've done winter guard. So I like sequins and pretty things and yeah. being seen. <laughs> I don't know if we have asked you this I, I think this is your first time being on the show since we started this section what part of the marching band show are you well I'm that's really weird like am I, am I choosing a favorite part because like one of the weird things about me is I like do everything I arrange music I write drill I've designed flags I've taught like I've like done so much of every different thing which is actually I don't know I don't know if that's good or bad but I have but probably my favorite thing I ever did was when I was like marching and playing on the field with my French horn bugle or mellophone or whatever I was playing so if I was gonna jump back on the field I would probably be in the middle horn section where I was always happiest would you be, but here's my question for you is, would you be like playing a nice soft ballad facing backfield or would you be more like jamming out park and blow <laughs> in the closer or like marching company front? I don't know. What, um, what would gosh, you feel well, like? as a Phantom Regiment guy who marched the original Spartacus <laughs> show way back in the early eighties, I'm going to oh, say no. that I'm playing the ballad hit with the wonderful French horn counter line that's my favorite all time thing I ever did on the field. So I'm mm. always in the middle of a Spartacus show with fan regiment in my <laughs> mind somewhere. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's a good one. That's such a good one. So you guys who know Robert W. Smith, what about him? What part of the marching band show do you think that he is? Honestly, I think that he would be that, uh, vibrant, um, I don't want to say loud. I w just mm, <laughs> that vibrant closer that just mm -hmm. makes you feel good. And you want so more not, of it when it's over. Yeah. Not necessarily like melt your face off, but something you might be humming when you get back to the parking lot later. Oh, yeah. Super catchy. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a catchy guy. That is right. <laughs> yes. Yes. So instead of doing news this week, uh, we have some questions about Robert W. Smith for our host, just to kind of get a nice, well-rounded picture of what a wonderful person he is. So anybody, you can feel free to jump in. Um, Trish, do you want to go ahead and take the first question? Because you guys know him so much more intimately than I do. Um, what does he, what would he think would be his biggest contribution to drum corps would it be his earlier stuff would it be his more recent stuff what what or one particular piece or something like that um what would he if we asked him right now if we were able to what would he think what would he say would be his biggest contribution to the drum corps activity yeah i think robert was incredibly proud of the fact that he like pioneered original music on the field i think that was really his biggest legacy um, you know, I, there, I, there's some, again, podcasts, he, we talked with him about his career and he talked about the fact that like the first time that they used original music, they told everybody it was an original opener, but there was also a second original piece in the show, but they didn't tell the judges because the judges were so freaked out that it was that, about it, that they just mm -hmm. pretended that somebody else wrote whatever the other one was. Wow. But it was like, that was how nervous the activity, like, you just can't do this. You know, somebody somebody quoted him saying, like, what do you think you are, Stravinsky? <laughs> you know, somebody oh, wow. asked him that. 
a DCI judge. And, and, you know, his answer was, well, I hope that I'm remembered for writing some, you know, very honest and nice answer. But I feel like those early shows in the 80s where the Florida Suite, the Suncoast Sound, you know, that famous Vietnam show, those were very, very influential. And he showed that original music written for the field could be effective and legitimate. And that was groundbreaking and, and changing. So I think that I would imagine that would be a legacy he would be incredibly proud of. I'm so glad you brought those shows up, Tim, because when I found out we were going to discuss this tonight, my 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 word association with Robert W. Smith always goes back to Suncoast Sound and all those amazing shows like you just mentioned that he did with Suncoast Sound. Oh, like yeah. I heard about when I heard of his passing, it was like, oh, wow, Suncoast Sound. Like you just, I just always have that association. And some of those shows were just so amazing. And I also feel like he stays on top of the game, too. Like, he was a trendsetter, always looking for what the next big thing would be. And why would you think the movement was not ready for a composer? We have drill writers, we have choreographers, movement people. Why is music so, was then so untouchable? Uh, I guess it just hadn't been done. Ah. I mean, you know, it just, it hadn't been done. You found music that you liked and you arranged it and the band played it. Or sorry, the core played it or whatever it was. Yeah. And it just hadn't been done before. And it was sort of like, I think the attitude was sort of, you know, gosh, drum corps, everybody is a unique animal. Okay. So like right. there's a lot of history and tradition that's very hard to break <laughs> in that activity. Yeah. And we all love it to death. But I mean, it was sort of, I think it was sort of like, well, who are you? You know, I'm, I'm sure they said the same thing to Zingali when he mm-hmm. did his crazy, you know, drill in the yeah. early 80s and like all the trendsetters. It's like, well, who are you to, you know, and and, and, and those people that, that are groundbreakers always have to sort of like, well, I, I think this could be awesome and I want to try it, you know, and yeah. they, they go for it. And sometimes they're they're slapped down. You know, some of those right. Suncoast sound, sound shows mm-hmm. were very controversial and weren't accepted necessarily at the time. Now we look back on them and think like, wow. I mean, think about it now. Anytime you hear the great locomotive chase, you're like, oh, you know, I mean, I know I gasp. I do because I'm just like, I love that song. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. okay, great. I'm going to have a good time watching this now, you know, because I'm familiar with the music. And but that you know what I mean? Like the way that he pioneered that was the whole way that like, you know, the uniform change, like, you know, gasp. And now it's, you know, people are getting used to it. And with him i mean honestly it is the different songs now that i gasp at like when i'm hearing them because that is staple that is i don't want to say commonplace but it's just so like oh you're doing this fantastic like oh you couldn't have done you know you couldn't have picked a better song but yeah i mean i feel that way about the great locomotive chasing when i heard it (laughs) so segue into this for the people that don't know him or maybe are not like as um knowledgeable as you guys are like can we do like a top three or top five of the things that he wrote that is like the best memorable pieces that he wrote maybe people can go on youtube and try to find it i definitely have well you heard great locomotive chase um the tempest is one and oh uh the uh oh in a gentle rain in a gentle rain those are if you wanted three those are three. I have more. But what about is it in there one called like I'm bad with names, but is it the Odyssey that has the movements and there's like a clock and a I, I played something in high school. He came to Etworth by the Sea and he was one of the guest conductors and we did one of his things and I actually played piano and they had to start like a like I don't know. I think it was the Odyssey though. 
It's something like that that I loved. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. It was Metamorphosis or Morphosis, the Odyssey. Yes. Yes, that's it. Yes. It's awesome. <laughs> now we'll see how many uh, drum corps and marching bands and color guard will kind of try to do a mm-hmm. tribute to, to him in the next years, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I can tell you that I arranged Into the Storm about 5,000 times for marching okay. band. So if you're looking for one of his pieces that no, I can guarantee works. <laughs> oh. So why don't you guys um, go ahead and um, elaborate on this a little bit. What do you guys think were his innovative qualities as a composer? I'm going to say he was able to bring jazz to the field in a way that was really accessible. Um, it, like his, his jazzy tunes that he composed were like, you know, fun pop talk songs and earworms. And like, it was super comfortable and, and, you know, it wasn't like um, jarring or difficult for regular folks to like get into. I think that was really, really accessible and tuneful. You know, you're going to be humming it on the way to your car. And that's the greatest compliment a composer can have. And I remember just playing his music um, in school as a flute player and just the pieces had just really cool things mixed in it. Like it wasn't your normal standard. All right, let's play these notes. It was just really cool sounds or, you know, maybe a scream here and there or just really cool things that kept it interesting for band kids. So he was a great influence. And you, so Tim, you said you had, his wife was also in the activity. She's also in the activity. Yeah, she, she's a very, very well-known um, band director and instructor. And she was actually the uh, caption head at the Madison Scouts this summer. She, this summer, this past summer. Yeah, th- this year. So she is she is known in the activity as like a real go-getter, super intelligent, fantastic person. Wow. Um, they're like the dynamic duo, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a person, what do you think? Like, like Nicole, you said you felt seen when he was around, but as a teacher, like what was great lessons? Kelly, you told us about the story about your wedding song. Is there any great lessons that he, was he more like someone that would push kids to go outside of their comfort zone to get um, new experiences or, or to push how excellent. So they feel comfortable in anything else. Like was there a trademark as a, being a teacher and the educational side of things? I think he pushed everybody out of their comfort zone. You know, he made us think, yeah, I believe he made us think um, outside of the box or even with songwriting. I remember doing something that was just so bland and he would say, you know, what about this chord or what about um, segue into this? You know, opposites sound really good in the structure. So he just he just made us think it was never just a checkmark thing. It was always how can he make somebody be the best they can be? Wow. And that's that's really fun, because when you have teachers like that, often they are not how can I say this? Often they're not talked as, as, as kind of a person that you're saying, because when you're pusher, not to quote the mean girls, but when you're someone that pushes kids, sometimes it's going to push in the wrong way. You're with artists, right? So mm-hmm. what would make it okay for him to push everyone? Right, but to- Cynthia, you know how we've all had those instructors where they're pushing you hard and they're making you do your best work, but you know that they love you and that they're here to help you. And I know, that's but the we all kind of have people- those story where like, we kind of sometimes dislike them and it doesn't sound like no one, it was kind of okay always and everything that he did. Not your ordinary guy. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Say so he had that balance figured out is what it sounds like. Yeah. He really understood how to how to handle himself in those sort of situations. 
It's amazing to have those kind of people that are pushing, but are still, you feel respect, respected and seen, like you said, Nicole, it's, you want to, that's what we want to learn from them on top of music arrangement. Although I would never even try to, that's your thing, Tim. Well, you'll, you'll arrange music. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do one more round Robin of your best Robert W. Smith memories, either of, of him as a person or of um, a show, some of his music that's influenced you, something like that. Uh, let's let's just kind of go around uh, with uh, Tim. Do you want to start? Okay, I will because I I always go back to the 1984 Suncoast Sound Show, and I want you to know there's a podcast number 849 at the Marching Roundtable where Doug Thrower, genius arranger at the Blue Coats, and Michael Rayford, genius set designer, costume designer, designer in general, and they talk about that Vietnam show in 1984. It was wildly controversial at the time. Original music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So just, I would just say, go listen to that podcast, hear them talk about that, um, and you'll you'll get the idea. Like, just incredibly groundbreaking and innovative. That's my favorite Robert W. Smith thing, is that Vietnam show. Um, I saw that at finals in 1984, sitting in the stands in Atlanta, Georgia, and like everybody had tears in their eyes. Okay, and this was Trump Corps in 1984. Like this, this was kind of new. Um, everybody was emotional, and I don't know if you remember that balloon floats up in the sky. That's when I think about him. I think about that. That was super, super. I don't know if you guys remember. They brought up, they brought up out of the ground um, a replica of the Vietnam Memorial. It was a brand new thing. Michael Rayford designed that, and there was this solo trumpet. I guess soprano at the time, and there was a girl character who's walking along in front of the memorial, and then she loses her balloon very symbolically, and it floats, pink balloon floats up in the sky, and that, I have chills right now, just just explaining it. If you haven't seen it, go find that show and watch it, and think about what Robert W. Smith did for us. I hate to, you know, be the broken record here, but I'm just so fond of those Sunco sound shows too. And, you know, Tim just shedding so much light on, you know, I definitely will listen to the podcast because I didn't know that Michael Rayford did all that and all that kind of stuff. And that just makes it even more interesting to me now than it was then. And that isn't that what this is all about. So what a wonderful legacy that he had. And, you know, isn't that what this is all about that we want to be remembered you know, for something that we did so many years ago. I mean, that's incredible. Well, um, I will say from when I was in high school, I used to, I was in band and I played a uh, baritone. I played low brass and um, we played incantations. And, um, you know, I mean, you're, you're playing this music from this composer when you're in a high school symphonic band you're not thinking I'm going to meet these people at some point in your life. And I'm not really thinking about 30 years down the road either. And, but I remember playing it and I liked it because like, I liked the moving parts with low brass and like, it, you know, it just, there's certain songs that just stick with you when you play them, you know, especially when you're in high school or, you know, when you're just doing that. And then when, you know, fast forward to 2019, when I get to meet him, I was just like, how do you not fangirl and tell this guy, you know, <laughs> hey, guess what? When I played in symphonic band in high school, 
your music was the best one. And honestly, there wasn't, I mean, there, it was on the back of my tongue and I was just like, I cannot not say this to him. And I was just like, I get why we're here. We're on staff together. We're putting this great show together. Can I just tell you <laughs> that I played first baritone on this piece that you wrote? And we had a good giggle out of it. And I was just like, great. So now that I've gotten past the awkward part, let's go make some magic with the Colts right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kelly, you want to round it out for us? Sure. Um, I've shared a bunch of really special memories. Um, Another one that I remember, because he had started the sort of in-house musician studio, recording studio, um, I remember him coming to me and say, hey, there's this lady that wants this song recorded. And um, I'm not really sure what it is, but let's take a look at it. Let's see what you can do. And so I recorded this song and I can, I just remember it was kind of an awkward song to sing because the lady herself really wasn't that songwriter but you know he was such a nice person he wanted to get this done for her um and I can remember sitting in the car with him and he had it on the stereo and I just wanted to hide because of how the song sounded but you know he was just so proud of it and saying thank you so much for doing this for her you know um I couldn't have asked for anybody else but just when the news I mean it's still hard to believe when the news of his passing came out um just I know my social media just flooded with so many people people that I didn't even know because of being tagged everybody being tagged all over the place and I mean, it's just amazing, really, to see the impact that he had on everybody and in so many different areas and aspects. I mean, just I think three days earlier, prior to that, he had just posted a picture with his populist group, his pride and joy um, and how much that he adored those students and being able to work with them. So, gosh, it's, it's just so hard to believe. All right, everyone. Thank you for such a great rehearsal. I think that Robert W. Smith would be glad that he is remembered in such a wonderful way. Thank you to all of our hosts, Trish, Cynthia, Nicole, Tom. Thank you, Trevor, for stepping in with interviewing Dr. Good with me. Thank you to Dr. Good once again. Uh, And thank you to our guest hosts, Tim Hinton. Make sure you go follow his social media at Marching Arts Education. And Kelly is stopping you. Where can we find you on social media, Kelly? Okay, Kelly Elena Music and K-E-L-L-Y-A-L-A-Y-N-A Music. That's my social media handles. I am going to go follow you right as soon as we're done recording this. So (laughs) guys, make sure you go subscribe. Write us a review wherever you get your podcasts at. Share this with a friend. Follow us on our social media at On A Water Break. And we'll see you at the next rehearsal on A Water Break.